It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Lacrosse fans, what happy Valentine's Day. Welcome back to Lax Class, episode 119, about to come your way right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. My name is Jay Kelly, my co-host name is Brad Chelliner, and we got another great episode lined up for you once again this week as we will continue our calls to the hall. We're running low on Hall of Famers. We're getting there. Uh, still some on the board. Uh, Sal Locasio. Sal Locasio. New York Saints legend goaltender will join us in quarter two for calls to the hall. Jim Erbach with something else in, I think he is, at least if if he's not buried in snow over there on Vancouver Island. Back with something else in quarter number four. A few quick sticks in quarter three. And here in quarter number one are Stampede Stallion and some other news and notes uh, about to come your way. Brad, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Snow we're recording here Sunday, and uh, snow just kind of sprinkling here in Port Coquitlam. It's a wintry Sunday afternoon. Happy to be with you. Happy Valentine's Day. How's it going? Happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Not the first Valentine's Day we've spent together. Oh, no, checking we've, we've out my memories. Of, yeah, we've done lots of shows and broadcasts, and I think there's been you know NLL games on Brett Valentine's the Hitman Heart. Remember that one? I. I, t- I once took a uh, I once took a girlfriend of mine to a Ravens game Ooh. on Valentine's Day, and that didn't in like that didn't yeah, work out oh, so well oh, because oh, you're four ish. I don't think that it didn't, didn't work is... out for one of those parties. The, yeah. the Ravens left town, and, and <laughs> then and then I flew the coop shortly after. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no, my my Facebook memories popped up today, and uh, you know, of course, uh, Valentine's theme. But we, yeah, you're right. Uh, like six years ago, we were inside the LEC. Uh, doing Stealth Classified, getting ready for Stealth Game Night that night, and Brett the Hitman Hart was in town. Oh, that's right. Uh, for a Valentine's affair, I believe, with the Colorado Mammoth, uh, you know, six six years ago. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that interview. I we interviewed the Hitman. You were, I think, on the road that weekend, and I interviewed Hitman. On yeah, my that's own, right. Actually, with Jared Harmon, we had a fill-in host. Had a great chat with the Hitman, who knew a lot about the Roughnecks. Like being a Calgary guy, he's. He's ingrained and then got to shake his hand at the LEC that night and get a photo sh- with him. And it's like the most awkward handshake. Like he got the, f- the hitman's <laughs> mitt. I was like, I was like an infant. Yeah. You did the fist. I, I went did. like the, in- I put, gave him like an infant paw wrapped around his bear claw. And yeah, I posted uh, that on Instagram. Awesome. Everybody assured me about the most awkward handshake ever, but yeah. I don't know why most- I went with the boxing right. like fist, but he's a wrestler. But uh, anyways, we digress uh, enough valentine's day memories uh what about this year a little different with with coronavirus uh carrying around no like dinner and dancing and drinks and all the rest of it i take it no bottle of wine a card some flowers dunsky but yeah you mentioned the snow it's been you know, we've been buried this week i went went uh went sledding yesterday oh. Like you personally, like you just the whole fam. No, the okay. whole family went, went. We bought bought crazy carpets from the dollar store. Yeah, because you know if you live in Vancouver, you don't own a sled because no. you might use it once every few yeah. years. So, so just like a sheet of plastic, basically essentially. a sheet of plastic with a couple handles that you fold up. 
and uh, and went sledding in, in, in South Delta's biggest hill, Deepenbaker Park in oh. Dawson, and hit hit the slope. There was hundreds of people there. I stood at the top of the bowl, and I was like, I've I haven't been, I haven't seen this many people gather, in in over a year. Yeah. You yeah. know, we were outside, so no one was really close to each other. But there was hundreds of people in the same. I location. still get a little weirded out with that, though. You know what I mean? Like, even though you're outside and you're all spread, I still get like, man, there's a lot of people here, and I get all kind of, I don't know, man. Sledding as a kid, like, had to be one of the funnest things ever. Like the stuff you building jumps and just like running each other oh, over. Yeah. And... You actually, actually, you absolutely rip down that hill. Oh. Yeah, you could crash into people like you're bowling. You put six <laughs> friends at the bottom of the hill and yeah, try yeah. to take them all out, take the knees out. <laughs> Good times, good times. Uh, we're going to have some good times here on Lax Class this week as well. And uh, we had a good time on Thursday night, Brad, at the Langley Event Center hosting the WLA 2021 entry draft. We did the junior draft a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, we, we got to do the WLA draft last week, which was a lot of fun. And I got to stop you for a sec, Brad. Oh. Are you drumming or something? Are you patting your knee or you're drumming with some pencils oh i might have been tapping a lot my of, feet i got a lot of coffee. there's a lot of there's a lot of rattling going on over okay there. i'm moving around in my chair i probably i okay. have i've had a lot of coffee i'll try and sit still sorry it's about usually that. me with the crazy arms and the and all the things that i do when i'm talking but yeah i'm just okay so that's that's better now settle down <laughs> settle settle down <laughs> yeah, thanks for the heads up thanks for the heads up uh so yeah wla draft that was uh that was a lot of fun and, and a lot of kids heard their names called and it was different this year doing it virtually but we had a you know had some players on the zoom calls with us to protect the players and I thought uh, all things considered, it went off pretty well. And it's always kind of one of my favorite nights of the year. It really is. It always signifies the start of, well, I guess the first thing on the really the WLA calendar for the year. This year, extra special because it's really the only thing on the lacrosse calendar in the last couple of weeks and then and will be for the next few. But it's the first time that a lot of these kids get their names called. So it's always a, like there's I think there's a Max Wilson from Victoria reaction video oh, yeah, that around awesome. like he's going but he's at uh, njit new jersey institute of technology watching with his with his teammates there and like going bananas because he went at the seventh overall pick in the first round to victoria shamrocks like hometown kid yeah. obviously stoked but like give me more you know, of those jumping like, up and those... down like you just won a natty championship or something like he was he was pretty fired up and that's it's special to see those videos and hear those reactions it's a big night for these kids yeah the, the the draft reaction videos like give me all of that i love those things with the kids getting fired up like that um what else did we see we we saw Jalen Chester be protected by Coquitlam. We saw Will Malcolm be protected by New West. And we saw Dylan McIntosh be protected by Maple Ridge. And then I kind of protected my girlfriend's daughter. <laughs> under the bus a little bit. So those three guys got, got protected. And then uh, compensatory picks. Uh, Thomas Vison, I believe, the first pick off the board to Langley. You got the results up in front of you there. Yeah, Vison to Langley, Oster Madronich to the Burnaby Lakers, Will Johansson to Nanaimo, and Nick Scott to Victoria. And I guess, you know, the two things that jumped out me there were I think more teams should use their territorial protection. Like it was put in place to sort of be mm-hmm. able to flaunt and tout and pat your back on your minor organization and to say, hey, we developed this guy, we groomed this guy, and yeah. we're going to keep him Surprising home. Surprising not f- to see the island teams especially do that. Yeah, right? and, but, and that's, that's the thing. Like Nanaimo doesn't protect a player but then they pick will johansson who's an Nanaimo player so i don't know why they didn't just protect him 
from the start unless they kind of wanted to leave it up in the air saying hey we're happy well with, it was, i think it was either Bison, yeah. or johansson i think well, that was we're it. happy with either one of those guys and then langley swoops in and then victoria i thought too they would have picked a mainland guy yeah nick scott who was drafted by the roughnecks like a big rugged defender but uh by all accounts like a lot of people thought austin madronich was the best player out of vancouver island and and he gets picked up by victoria who then flipped him and trade him to nanaimo so at the end yeah, of the night Burnaby, I think, wasn't it but well, Burnaby picked him and right. then traded him to Nanaimo yeah. um, for the rights of Callum Crawford, who somehow was a member of the Nanaimo Timberman. And so like it's a like couple... way back. Like, so when like Caleb was like playing at Ranger and stuff, like the early days of the return of the team, and Callum Crawford was, was there for like a year or two, I think. Wow. Well, now he's a member of the Burnaby Lakers if he ever wants to come back west. But, I, you know, looking back on the night, I really liked what Nanaimo did. Like they get – they get Johansson, they get Madronich, they do. Uh, they get Colton Lindstone, Caleb Kuber. Like they got a lot of high end Vancouver Island talent and, and guys that are getting report to that club and and play for that club. And it's gonna be a fun team to watch. Yeah, Zach Manns last year as well, right? Uh, so yeah, I like it. Uh, Dave Bremner will be taking over the coaching duties. Caleb Toth moving up into a management role there. And uh, it was a good night, and and I, people seemed to enjoy it, which was which was always great. Got a ton of great feedback on that, which always uh, makes us happy. So appreciate it. And what, yeah, and, what new, and what news came from that? So schedule called out Monty saying schedule late February um, will be announced. Late February will be announced, and it should be a late June start that they're targeting and being optimistic for in the lower mainland. If that doesn't happen, there's a plan B with a shorter schedule and a plan C that. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it. No, I don't think we are. Yeah, no, I don't think we are. So we, we have some intel, but uh, we'll hang on to that. We don't want to get ourselves in trouble here, Brad. Uh, but we're excited. And I put out that tweet, as promised, on the Lax Class Twitter account, saying, like, you know, it's going to be tough to dig for NLL news and get a lot of breaking. Rosters are frozen right now in the National Lacrosse League. We're at the mercy of the pandemic, so we got to be, you know, nimble, the word of, of 2020 Ready and 2021. Pivot ready to pivot and, and shift gears a little bit and, and stay, stay nimble. Well, listen, I was, what I was trying to say is I put that tweet out saying, what are we going to talk about? Is or, do you want us to dig deeper for NLL stories and try to uncover stuff that, mm. you know, do we, do we, do we, do we keep pumping out NLL news as much as we can and use that as sort of the first thing we talk about every, every show and the big focus. Do we shift focus to senior A, WLA, MSL? Do we shift focus to PLL, which we know is going to be happening and 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 has a lot of NLL players and Canadian players that we're close to, and it's going to be fantastic again? Do we talk about the BC Junior League and the Ontario Junior League or in the TLL and all the gossip that, and all the craziness that's going on in the world of junior lacrosse in Canada? But overwhelming on the Twitter feed, and I don't know the 56, final number. Like 50% people saying they want us to talk more Senior. major series and WLA this year because I think without the NLL this summer – there's a chance that this could be one of the greatest summers ever as far as uh, as far as and it NSL really and truly go. could be all Ontario in major and all BC in the WLA, right? Because I don't think guys are going to be kind of flip-flopping provinces. Yeah, unless, you're, unless you're living in Victoria now. Yeah, like Challen Rogers, I, I think, probably plays for Oakville, but he's living in Oakville, right? Like, I don't think there's going to be the transfer window is not going to be active this year, I wouldn't say. Uh, by the way, I was going to talk about this a bit later, but uh, first off, 
the big focus. You just mentioned the big focus. I think we just found our new name for our opening segment, Brad, and you just came up with it organically. That's how it happens. Quarter one, our, our top topic off the top, the big focus. There you go. We get with that? I like it. I like it. Uh, second of all, did you get your Manscaped products in the mail over the last few days? I did, yes. Okay. So did you get a lawnmower? I got a lawnmower. I got a lawnmower as well. Replacement blade, large Manscaped t-shirt as well. And you're talking about this vote uh, that you put up on Latch Class about what people want us to talk about. You know, I think we're going to go down that road for sure. Maybe we, we do like a, a preview of each WA team and MSL team and talk to somebody affiliated with each team for the next several weeks or whatever. But I want to put this out there right now. Um, we mentioned that using the promo code LAXCLASS20 and taking a screenshot of that, purchasing something off of the Manscaped website, send that to us. You do that, you're going to be entered into a draw for a brand new lawnmower. So don't buy the lawnmower when you go on Manscaped and, and use the promo code LAXCLASS20, but take a shot of that, tweet at us, email us, do whatever, to show us that you've gone on there and used the promo code. So that'll be one lawnmower, Brad, okay? You with me on this? That'll be one lawnmower. The next lawnmower, the other lawnmower, I want to give away to the person who comes up with the best new content idea. So think inside the box, think outside the box, but what you want to hear from us for the next, call it six months, it can be a, a, you know a month long, two months long, three months long, whatever you think, new segment, new feature, but give us your best new content idea. And from that pool, I think we will pick another winner and present them with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I love that too. So whichever one we choose to do and say, Hey, we can really chew on this and, and That's roll right. with it. For We're going to go months. with it. Yeah. That we'll person's going to get a lawnmower. That's right. Love it. Okay. Love it. So and there you know, go. it's, it's the new lawnmower. It's not the used jumper <laughs> lawnmower, the used one. Hey, you know, we'll get the new one. That's unopened guys. You got the replacement blade there. If you're really sketched out that and, and uh, hopefully you're a large size t-shirt or know somebody that that is because that's the size that they sent in the box. So new content and get on that website, use the promo code laxclass 20. And, and I wanted to mention this off the top because like, I don't know if we're supposed to give this away or not. And I don't want to mention it during quick sticks when we mention it to Manscaped because I have to send them. <laughs> so we're kind of doing this on the, the download. Yeah, we're doing breaking this the rules here, but take, it, take advantage while you can there before you go. get shut down. There you go. Okay. So one more uh, new noteworthy thing to talk about here, Brad. I don't know if that's not the word I was looking for, but uh, Stampede Stallion of the Week has to be talked about here in quarter number one before we get to Sal in quarter two. And it was my pick this week, right? It was your pick this week, yeah. I didn't, like, most of the time I, like, have to do, like, research and kind of look this guy's stuff up and kind of... This man we know so well. I don't even really know if I need to kind of pull his his stuff up here. Curtis Hodgson. Hodgy is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. And I know, like, I'm a huge Curtis Hodgson fan. I know you are as well, Brad. So why don't you lay out to me the things that Curtis Hodgson did that that really appealed to you? Well, it's funny you mentioned not bringing up the the point streak stat sheet because we usually do that for every player in, mm -hmm. in, in the Stallions when we go through the stats. I did the same thing. I go, I don't need to bring anything up on Audrey. Like, I'm, I'm good here. We can just – I'm sure we'll fill enough time to – 
to talk about Curtis Hodgson. I can tell you off the top of my head, the guy played over 200 games. 226. Um, in the National that. Lacrosse League for the same team, which doesn't happen. And I think, I want to say there's only one or two players in league history that played more games with one team mm. than Curtis Hodgson did. And it's it's like JT and maybe Mark Stainhouse. Uh, Stainhouse but he started it. He, played, he had a couple of games in Columbus there, but... Um, as far as longevity with one club, he's like top top five oh, easily, all time. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Like if you eclipse and the 200 game mark in the NLL, like you've had an outstanding. I was gonna chirp you almost when you when you brought up Haji too, because like, is he? We tried to go for like underrated guys in the Stallion column, and like his jersey was retired by the Vancouver Stallion. Yeah. May one day be dusted off by the Vancouver Warriors. I don't know. But, you know, captain of a team, 200 games, jersey retired. Yeah, he wasn't up for one time any league, champion, any, right? Yeah, one time champion. Wasn't up for any league awards ever, really. I don't think he was ever on any all pro teams, but, you know, he was always considered well, one, there of the, you go. One, of best, one of the best D guys for his team. So, yeah, I guess he, I'm talking myself into considering him a, <laughs> yes. a stallion because I thought maybe he was too, like, too known. You know, uh, 13 years, just over 100 points, over 700 loose balls, uh, just over 100 penalty minutes, Brad. That is incredible. As a defenseman to play that long and have a hundred, just over 100 penalty minutes in your career. <laughs> and that is, and in his peak too. Like he, he it's was not like he was like a sissy yeah, out there not, either. Like he no, was, he just he, he don't he didn't get the penalty minutes because he doesn't fight a lot. And you know he was just a, a clean, clean game. Never took any hard, majors. Yeah, clean hard nose. You know, scored a couple goals a year, usually from a twister from about you five know, twenty-five hole, feet out every time. Five hole twister on the run. Uh, great locker room guy and and tough to play against. Like big big minutes on the penalty kill. And Brad, here is the the thing that I think. Like, when you think about Curtis Hodgson that defines him more than anything else is the Ironman streak, right? And and I don't know how many years it was, and the one game that he missed, he was a healthy scratch by CH. And then, like, did not come back out of the lineup until, I want to say, 2017 uh, due to a, a bit of a foot injury. But this guy, game and year after year, game after game, was in the lineup every single night. And... To be that consistent and that healthy, that is a feat in its own right. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. And, and he put Miles in the summertime, you know, like oh. never getting hurt in the WLA either and going to three man cup championships in a row and or and, and doing what he high did. Phenomenal socks on, was on the body. But you know, he's a pretty pretty healthy guy, a pretty clean living guy. And it was always a leader too. Like even before he was a coach, he was a coach on the floor. He was always the one of the most vocal guys in the penalty kill, always telling guys where to be. You could always hear Curtis Hodgson. He was great with rookies and introducing new guys to the system and new guys to the squad. And, and you know, no surprise, he's, he's behind a national lacrosse league bench the next time a team hits the floor. Yeah, he was up and uh, doing some video stuff and, and scouting uh, up, in, up in level five. But uh, we'll be down on the Warriors bench come uh, the resumption of the NLL season or the beginning of the NLL season, I should say. Um, so, Hodgie, Curtis Hodgson, welcome to the stable. Now, I believe, a, a vice principal or a principal there in Burnaby uh, with his teaching career. So, a leader on and off the floor and now on the bench as well. Welcome to the stable, Hodgie. You are this week's Stampede 
Stallion of the Week. And, of course, Brad, the Stampede Stallion of the Week, brought to you by Stampede Tack in Western, where as they take on winter, it is winter out there right now. I, the seasons just keep getting later and later. Now it's snowing in February. But Stampede Tack in Western, where there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. And that's why they carry the Outback Trading Company clothing inspired by the harsh Australian Outback. The Bush Ranger, the Duster, they got boots, they got pants, they got belts, they got it all. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local, or you can head out to Cloverdale, Highway 10, 180th, there since 1966. Anything you need? Uh, just finished uh, Season 3 of Yellowstone there, Brad, and I can't wait for Season 4, man. Like, I, Have you caught up on this? No, you're you're way ahead of me. I sort of fizzled out. I it wasn't didn't uh, it didn't hook me. The, the the cliffhangers weren't enough to get me to start binging. I'm only like three or four episodes. All right, up. stick with it. It gets real good. That uh, that was a good opening quarter. Let's get to quarter number two and Sal Locasio coming up here on episode 119 of Lacrosse Classified. You got it right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Eric Penny, goaltender for the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the second quarter we go where we like to do our calls to the hall. But before we do that, I need to tell you about our friends at the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, out there at the Fieldhouse in Langley, Warriors Academy is in full swing now. Saw Nikki Billick out there, Bilic uh, working with the kids. Eric Penny had a bunch of goaltenders out there for the goalie camp, and every single week they're going to be out there at the LEC at the Fieldhouse. Check out all the details at VancouverWarriors.com where nothing's offside. At NLL Warriors, Twitter, Instagram, you can find them. Uh, Dave Shelton doing the work, putting up the the content there. And, and uh, it's good to see kids out on the turf playing lacrosse as we wait for the official of lacrosse to return. And here in the second quarter, calls to the hall. Jay Kelly, Brad Chellner with you, by the way, episode 119 in progress. And pleased to welcome, first time on the podcast, it is former New York Saint goaltender, NLL Hall of Famer 2008, and Sal Lacasio on the program. Sal, good to hear from you. Good to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. How are things? I am doing great, and I uh, really appreciate you giving me the opportunity here today. It was uh, when I got your your guys' message, you wanted to have me. I was excited to join. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure, man. And uh, as we know, a few goaltenders in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame, and, and you were one of them. And and we want to hear your story here, Sal, because you're really you're you're one of the guys that I I don't know a whole lot about, and and I'm really kind of looking forward to the conversation. And when I have somebody new, or when we have somebody new on the podcast here one of the first things i like to ask as i drop my pen on the ground there is how did you find the sport of lacrosse i'm assuming it was is the field game before you found the box game but how did you get into playing lacrosse to begin with sure 
Well, I've had two older brothers that were uh, uh, both really good lacrosse players that played college lacrosse. And while they were practicing in the backyard, they needed somebody to shoot lacrosse balls at. So my first goalie stick uh, growing up in uh, in Lindenhurst, uh, New York, my first goalie stick was a rake. And the backup uh, post that we used that we used was a pool. And anytime there were dents in the pool, my dad would get upset and my older brothers would blame it on me. I couldn't stop their shots with a rake. So that's how it all started for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was probably motivation to, to make those saves just so dad didn't rip India. Oh, uh, you, you know, that was, uh, that was the biggest motivation when he saw the dents in the pool, he would always go to my older brothers and I could just remember the one time them blaming it on me, um, you know, for not making enough saves. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it sure was. It's always the youngest brother that ends I up get getting goal. it. You know, funny how that works. Yeah. You know, these older brothers is like sniping on a four footer, taping but, like uh, couch cushions to you for for padding, and <laughs> and you obviously fell in love with the game then from a very young age, Sal. But you know, how does how does the high school and and then the recruiting into college go for you? Sure, I, I uh, so I played at Lindenhurst High School, and um, you know, I was kind of a you know, was a quiet kid like off the field. But, you know, on the athletic field, I, you know, was pretty exuberant and expressive, you know, on the field. And I kind of knew at an early age that I was pretty good when I started playing with the varsity in eighth grade and then making varsity as a ninth grader. And then, you know, just by, you know, some of the the personal honors that I was getting at a, at an early age, I, I knew that, uh, um, you know, that I had some sort of a future in lacrosse and uh, became a high school American at a bunch of schools that, uh uh, that were recruiting me. And uh, I, I remember going to my recruiting trip. There were a couple of fun recruiting stories. North Carolina was probably my favorite because I got to go see North Carolina and Duke basketball game. Oh, and that yeah. was pretty intense and pretty sick. Yeah. Um, and that was in the old Dean Dome. You and I'll just, I'll never forget that. But then when I went up to UMass, um, when I watched the team practice, I never told anyone this because it wasn't my personality, but I left there going, like as a high school kid, I'm better than the goalies that they have. Like I can go here and start as a freshman. And, uh, and, and that's why I chose to go to UMass. That was important to you. Hey, Sal, like you wanted to go to a school where you could step right into the lineup and play right away. Jake, I was just a sports junkie. Like it, it, it doesn't matter what the sport is, like whether it was basketball, uh, football, um, I, I wanted to play. And, um, you know, internally, I was confident enough that I felt like I could have played anywhere. But then, you know, sometimes you have to wait your turn or this or that. And But I knew when I left UMass on my recruiting visit and watched them practice, I literally was set, like in my head, I'm like, I could I, like I could join this team tomorrow and within a week or two beat those other two goalies out. And I saw the highlight, some highlight real stuff of you. And you jumped right in there, right in the right in the late 80s, in the height of, of Gary and Paul and Tom Marichek and then the Syracuse dynasty. Um, you know, what was – and I saw so you making some fantastic saves on those guys. Uh, what was it like uh, playing against those guys? You know, it's funny. The first time I played against uh, uh, Paul and Gary – and by the way, I've, I've, it's turned into being very good friends with the three of them. Both okay, because okay. we're trying to get them on the podcast, Sal. So if you want to reach out to either Gary or Paul – let them know man <laughs> i will i will i absolutely will I you know, appreciate I, I've, had, uh, I've had ups and downs playing against the uh, the gate brothers probably the uh most humbling lacrosse experience of my life was when i was a sophomore in college and i was feeling my oats <laughs> and i remember telling my college coach that listen 
we're not going to change how we play defense when we play Syracuse. We're going to give up those 12 to 15 yard shots, <laughs> and I'm going to eat them up all day long. I know where well, this is going. I know. Where this going. The only thing I practicing in that game was like practicing getting the ball out of the net and getting it to the official. <laughs> um, you know, I had never, I mean, the truth is I never saw anything like it now. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm a prideful person and I've also had some upsides against those guys in uh, especially in international and, and, sure, uh, sure, yeah. um, and some club lacrosse games where they were on some heavily favored teams um, but the one thing I, one thing I like would, again, I pride myself on, you may beat me once one way, when it comes to sports, I don't know why I have a photographic memory. I can remember like release points and it was tough playing against Canadians in field lacrosse. Just their release points were so different and the deception that they used. And, you know, as good as Paul and Gary were, you mentioned, you know, uh, Tommy Marichek as well, yeah. hands down the best finisher. Now I couldn't say this to Tommy when I played against him because, you know, I was in his grill constantly, but he was hands down the best finisher that I've ever saw and that I've ever played against. Pretty pretty good backhand on him too, eh, Sal? Like over the shoulder? Not bad for Hollywood. Well, it, it, it's funny, like at that point in my life, right, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Like, you know, back in the late 80s, you know, Americans didn't do that. They actually switched hands. Right. Whereas, you know, the Canadians all played predominantly in one hand. And and they'd be your, like, release point. You'd be like, huh, where, how, how did he shoot that? Where did that come from? But you know what? Like the competitive side is like, hey, live and learn. I watched that game film of where we got our butts kicked my sophomore year multiple times to understand how those guys like how they were shooting, where their release points were coming. And then what you don't what the average person doesn't realize, the Canadian players have different whips on their stick than the American guys does. So my anticipation was all thrown off. There were shots that I thought were going high that would end up at my feet. And what my mind would tell me by somebody's release point wasn't what my eyes saw. And it was the first time that ever happened to me, that's but I'm telling you, I took that like incredibly serious and was like, that's not going to happen to me again. Ah, that's fascinating. As we speak with Sal Lacasio here and something that, <clears throat> excuse me, people may not know or realize that today's lacrosse stick, the offset, and it's been around for a while and, and it's, you know, it's become revolutionary in the sport where the head of the lacrosse stick is actually lower than what the shaft is. And the Gate Brothers, before the offset head was a thing, used to bow their shafts. So their head, when they were holding their stick, was actually lower than the center point of their shaft. So essentially, they made an offset stick, but they made it with their shaft being bent instead of the head actually being offset lower. So uh, they, they were really the innovators of, of that, and that's how that kind of whole process began. Going from, from field lacrosse to box lacrosse, Sal, is not an easy transition for a player, never mind a goaltender. There's only a few that have really had the success at a high level like yourself. I think of Chris Sanderson. I think of Dylan Ward in today's game, who's one of the best at, at both disciplines. That transition for you could not have been an easy one. Had you ever even seen box lacrosse when you started to pick it up for the New York Saints back in, in 1990? I didn't know what box lacrosse was until 1989. Um, I had never like uh, I had never played. I'd never seen a game. And, you know, back then, maybe there was like, I don't know, 10 years earlier, maybe the uh, uh, the Long Island Tomahawks. But when the, you know, the National Lacrosse League first started the year, I think it was the year before I, I actually was drafted, 
that was the first time that I had ever, you know, seen a game. And uh, but where'd I you get quick, pads and the wooden stick and all that from, Sal? Like, how did that play out? Crazy. So, 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 um, I, I, you know, was, it was, I actually had to learn on the fly. We didn't have anybody like in the New York organization that could tell me, Hey Sal, you need this kind of protective equipment or this is the right pads. <laughs> I, I can tell you story after story. My first really good goalie helmet came from Marty O'Neill. So I became, you know, goalies have our own little, you know, little circles. The goalie and, union. Know, this- we call it Sal, the goalie union. We oh. call that. So, so Marty, you know, saw saw Darius Kilgore for, uh, basically shatter my my Jofa <laughs> helmet. That I so oh my Marty God. was like, "Hey, hey, yeah. Sal, I think time that you get like a real Canadian uh, uh, goalie mask." And yeah. he and he made one back then. Marty used to make them. He still makes still gear, Sal. He's still in the in the lacrosse gear game yeah. as a goaltender. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the first thing. The second thing was we played Philly. And I watched, you know, not only was I watching the other goalies, but like I was looking at their equipment because I wanted to make sure because, again, I had no background. I had no idea what, you know, what was the right stuff to wear or not. I'm looking at Dallas Elliott shin guards <laughs> and they were literally Field twice, yeah. th- twice the size of mine. And he's, his were tiny to begin with, too. So I can't imagine how small yours must have been. <laughs> Well, again, what I later found out from, you know, from from the Canadian guys was that, look, there's special. I was wearing regular hockey shin guards and there were special box lacrosse, (laughs) which were actually wider than what I was using, you know, early on the uh, in the early days. But, uh, um, you know, I watched and and the transition, by the way, it's like it's like two different sports. It really is. I didn't get to it at an early age. Like I. First time I saw it when it was like when I was 19, 20 years old, when I was, you know, my senior year in college. But when I, you know, again, it's like the competitive side of you. Like I learned and I learned quickly. Now, I will say this, my, the skill sets for me that I'm, that I was really good at in field would be my vision, my anticipation. Those same things translated very quickly into box. The stuff that was really hard for me was okay i played against gary paul and tommy marichek once a year you know what i'm saying now each week you're playing against guys that shoot just like they do so there was a little bit of a learning curve there as well but as i told you earlier like fool me once you're not fooling me twice like i'm pretty good when it comes to like you know memory muscle memory and that whole like you know that whole piece so um hey it was it was a fun challenge you know I, i and i loved to play I wish I had the opportunity to have played as as a youngster because I think I would have, you know, been able to be better than, uh, you know, than I, than what I was. And I love the fact because I'm a huge hockey fan. I love hockey. The Rangers guy the, or Islanders guy, Sal? Big, big Rangers guy. Okay. We're going through a rebuild right now, but boy, we we got some really good young talent. Just don't bring and, up '94 uh, around these parts here, Sal. Just don't bring up '94 around these parts. Here. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it on the uh, still who had hurts. the break? Still hurts. Finish, uh, oh, Lafayette yeah. goalpost hit the post. Yep, brutal. yep. absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, you sound like a, you sound like a student, and I'm sure you know, being wide eyed, jumping in that league in '90, you're looking around at what's Dallas doing, what's Dwight Mackey doing, what are these other goaltenders doing? Um, you know, what were you what were you sort of stealing from those guys and wanting to try? Yeah, it's funny. I forgot to bring up Dwight. Dwight, well, the first time I saw Dwight play, and I don't remember the game. I know they won, whether what team he was on. I felt like he had like eight arms. Like it was like I'm one of <laughs> our guys. Yeah. Like 
And uh, and then later I had a chance to become teammates with Dwight. What, what, what a terrific guy. But I didn't know, like, when I first joined the league, I wasn't friendly with the other guys. And I was a little bit on the field, a little bit boisterous. Like, I wasn't the easiest guy to get to know um, because I played with, you know, pretty high intensity level. And I liked the physical part of uh, of box lacrosse. I actually think I would have enjoyed being like a, a field player even more and been able to, you know, to drop the buckets every now sure, and then. Sure, sure. Um, but um, – uh, you know, so, so I mean, what would I learn from them? I, I was in awe how good they were, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be just as good or not, if not better. And, uh, you know, I literally, I watched film and I practiced constantly and then I, I fell in love with the game. Just an awesome game to play. Yeah. I mean, Salvatore Lacasio with us here. I mean, set the scene for us, Sal, through the, through the nineties into the two thousands in New York. And, you know, we've seen the scenes out of Philly and Buffalo and Boston and just, the mayhem that would ensue during those years. And it was the same in New York. And it was really kind of an era where goaltenders would venture out of their crease quite a bit and get involved in the play and get bumped around and, and things would happen. You like to kind of mix it up in that regard. I, I did. I, you know, especially uh, my first few years in the league, you know, I just, when I saw the physical component of it, like that was right up my alley. Cause I just, I like to scrap and, uh, uh, so it was just something that, that I enjoyed, you know, the, the arenas back then Philly, uh, w- you know, would get a crazy good crowd. Like it was always sold out. It was an awesome place to play. And we had some memorable games against the, uh, uh, the wings back in the day, uh, our home place, um, where we played at the Coliseum back then it was incredibly popular. And I know they struggled, uh, you know, the franchise struggled last year in, in, in coming back from an attendance perspective, but we routinely outdrew the Islanders at the time, you know, who were playing there as well. And and when Philly would come into town, you know, we would get, you know, 12, 13,000 and, yeah. and it'd be, a, you know, a ruckus crowd. And uh, it was a great party right after the game at uh, this place, Pitchers, right across at the uh, Marriott Hotel. And, you know, both teams would always go, tons of fans. It was like a it was a great experience. It was so much fun. And uh, I, I tease my kids. I, you know, it's funny. About a month ago, I, I was cleaning some things out of my office and I came across all of my original contracts that I, you know, that I signed in the league. And I, wow. and I was laughing and uh, I was taking. Were they on napkins? hundred bucks a game? Well, well, well I, I will tell you this. I spent more money in the bar after the game. <laughs> You're than not I the only one, during- Sal. You're not the only one. We've heard those stories too. <laughs> You know, but, you know, I, I, you know, I took pictures of it, sent them, uh, you know, sent them to my kids and, uh, you know, they all got a chuckle at it because they all play. They, they don't realize that. Oh yeah. The professional lacrosse player. Now, wait a minute. He, he, you know, I'm making more money than he is like doing Uber Eats. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, and listen, like uh, the, the, it's incredible to see how far the league has come and you, you've been a big part of that and you're right. The riptide, they'll, they'll make a resurgence here getting out of the blocks it's, it was tough for them to kind of roll out and then have a couple couple years down and, and then try and make a go again here. So I, I have faith that uh, Rich Lisk and, and company will get the riptide back on that level of playing at the Nassau Con- County Coliseum where the Saints used to live. I know a lot of people were, were wishing the Saints would return, but they went with the riptide. Uh, so you, you mentioned before we kind of got on air here, five kids all playing the game. None of them goalies, however, um, but that's really where your focus and intention and enthusiasm comes for the sport of lacrosse. Now tell me about all your kids and, and what they're doing and, and how you're involved with them. 
Sure, sure. I've got, uh, so my, my daughter, Brianna, she played uh, attack in high school. Um, she was a three-sport uh, three uh, athlete. Um, she's since graduated from Salve Regina in college, and uh, she will soon be uh, um, attending PA school. My oldest son, uh, Sal, who was an all-county um, lacrosse player, really good uh, player, had multiple opportunities to play college lacrosse, and uh, he joined the Army. So... Um, uh, he's, you know, he is Admirable. living that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's living that, uh, that right now as he's, uh, stationed right now in, uh, in Texas. Um, then I have my, um, uh, my next son, Gavin just committed to play at my alma mater. So, um, he is a junior in high school. He's my most athletic kid that I have. Um, he's an elite athlete and, uh, you know, he was a recruited player that will be playing at the university of Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, really, really proud. And, uh, he had multiple opportunities and, uh, you remember the last conversation with him. I'm like, Gavin, are you sure you want to go there? Like, and I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't want him to be like in my shadow because I'm in the hall of fame right. place. And he's like that. Are you kidding me? Like I, I could care less about, you know, I could care less about that. I, I love the school and I'm going there. And then my, uh, my youngest, uh, Austin, uh, he plays on, uh, Bayport, uh, uh, the, you know, the same, the same uh, program that Sal and, uh, uh, and Gavin have played at. And uh, he's an offensive player, not the, um, not my most athletic kid. He would kick your butt in Xbox. Like he is, uh, <laughs> he is all over it, but uh, uh, yeah. And uh, hey, bring he's, it he's, on with Casey Powell across. Uh, I'm, I'm like almost undefeated in that game. So just, just <laughs> can tell you, let, your, let your boy know. Do you ever, do you ever like strap on the gear and, and let him fire away on you anymore? Like how, I do. You, you know, it's funny you say that. I I, um, I hadn't for a very long time, right? So uh, last year, uh, so I coach a club team, Team 91 Lacrosse. Okay. And um, part of our training in the winter is we do box lacrosse. And one of the practices, one of the goalies couldn't make it. So I decided to, uh, I took his gear and I hadn't had it on in, I don't know, probably 12, 14 years, if not longer. Actually, it is longer. What the heck? I'm 50, 53. So it's got to be, what, 20 years. And I put the gear back on. And uh, I've done it two or three times since then. And, uh, boy, the kids today are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're a whole lot better than uh, – Well, than the equipment helps, too. Let's not kid ourselves, Sal. The equipment's come a long ways from those old uh, Brine M1s and high walls and what have you. <laughs> that's what it is it must be the equipment it couldn't be any erosion of my skill right <laughs> you kind of you kind of already answered this with with the team 91 stuff but i wanted to ask you like how much how much box influence have you taken into your into your coaching career whether it was um you know in the mll or 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 or, or with your kids now like how much box influence are you trying to instill on on these young kids you, you know it's it's funny that the uh uh years ago when i was coaching right I took a lot of it, but today it is intertwined in American field lacrosse. Like if you don't know how to pick and roll, if you don't know how to, you know, play two man game, if you can't finish backhand or make, you know, an over the shoulder pass, you can't play in the American field game anymore. So it's not like, you know, as an American coach that I have to, you know, push those skills. Like it is now, like entwined in the American game. Like you watch a guy like Brennan O'Neill, for example, right? How he at Duke, he shoots like 
I remember Gary and Paul shooting, you know, like the, like that Canadian influence. So, um, you know, the the uh, there's so many elements of box lacrosse, like the the physical part, the intimidation part, like I, all that stuff I teach, like, you know, you know, kind of on the on the defensive end, how to how to defend the two man game. But I don't view it as, oh, I got to take some box skills like it's already like and I, I push it back to Gary and Paul. They changed american field lacrosse forever yeah they, like the game like they were the first but now everybody has to do the things nobody does it like they did but everybody has to uh you know has to do it and and from a coaching perspective in the like the pro league i you know in the outdoor i had the best guys like they already could do all of that stuff you, you know what i'm saying yeah. but mm-hmm. coaching in uh um i'd love to get a little bit about the coaching in the nll um, that was a big time. Yeah, two years uh, as as the coach of the Saints, right, Sal? Is it you, only a couple of years there, but you really enjoyed yeah. your time as a coach? I, I, I did. And, um, you know, as a player, um, you know, I played for what, 10, ten plus years. The couple of years of coaching, the, the first thing that I wanted to do was I always felt like the Canadian teams took liberties um, at some of the better American players. They were in hockey terms, they were better at like, you know, I'd look over in the penalty box and there'd be my leading scorer. And there's one of their guys that I don't even, you know, some number 66. I didn't even know. <laughs> that who was, was by design. Don't, don't kid yourself. So. Yeah. so, so I'll tell you this, right? So look, I, I, you know, my, my strengths from a coaching perspective in box lacrosse were communication. Like I can fire up a group in the locker room as good as anybody. And I know I can do that. It's what I do, you know, professionally in, in my living today. But um, I didn't know, I didn't have the confidence in the X's and O's, right? So I went out and, you know, asked a couple of the guys that I trusted. And they said, hey, find one of the Sanderson brothers to help you, right? So we, uh, at, at the time, we, um, we hired, uh, you know, Terry Sanderson to, to uh, and, and, and God rest his soul, yeah. we hired him to, uh, uh, to be my assistant coach. And the first thing I told Terry is I go, Terry, nobody is going to take advantage of us, Okay help me find the guy that the rest of the league is going to be intimidated by. And he goes, I got the guy for you. And I go, who is he? He goes, Oh, he's the surgeon. Oh, Timmy like, O'Brien. Who the, who the, what do you mean? The surgeon? His first name is the, and he goes, and I'm like the surgeon. Like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, Timmy everybody o. he touches gets cut. Yeah. And Timmy O'Brien was the first guy that I wanted you know, and, and we and I forget how we drafted him or how we got him. But let me tell you something. I watched grown men who I was they, they didn't know at the time that I was afraid of. Yeah. Like I watched them dive over the boards, like not to fight that. <laughs> so we got tougher pretty quick by having him, you know, hit yeah. him on the uh, the bench. And then, you know, Terry was awesome as far as like back then, you know, I was at the infancy of understanding pick and roll, how to play it, how to defend it. And just that, you know, the. The American guys back then, like everybody was right-handed. Like you had four righties and maybe one lefty and everybody was on one side of the field. And Terry taught the whole team about like balance and, you know, just make sure that we we got the distribution and just make sure you're moving in directions where you're improving your angle and not decreasing your angle. And, and then we had a lot of fun. Like uh, my favorite part was the, uh, you know, the uh, no man's land. Like if anybody is in this square six feet, they were getting cross-checked in the back of the neck and, and Terry brought all that to the team. 
2015 Hall of Fame inductee Terry T. Sanderson. And uh, you're right. Me and Timmy O were, were from the same vintage, uh, around the same age, and, and we crossed paths a couple of times. Never never had the pleasure to dance with each other, but uh, I think there was a bit of mutual respect there. I'll say that. But Timmy, he would slice you up like a surgeon when he got his <laughs> knuckles on you. As uh, we speak with Sal Lacasio here, and last one for you, Sal, and, and we kind of gave you a heads up we were going to ask this, so I hope you gave it some consideration. Uh, one guy that is not currently in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame that you think belongs in. Boy, there's, there's so many good players out there, and, um, you know, I so. I have to like in all like uh, loyalty to my New York saints roots. And I, and I have to stay within the New York saints organization. And there's so many, you know, guys to, uh, to choose from. I would probably say Vin Sombrato because of his leadership, um, the kind of person that he was just, um, there was a man, you know, playing like with boys and, uh, he was one of the first always sticking up for his teammates and just the kind of guy that knows how to win, knows how to do the little things. And, uh, um, I, I, you know, I've played with him, you know, both box and field. There's just no better teammate. The guy's like understanding of the game. And, uh, he's another one that picked up that, you know, box across really, really quickly. And, uh, uh, just I, I just loved him as a teammate. Could pull, so could pull be- off uh, wearing, wow. wearing a pair of spandex, okay, too, right? Back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> Got to love the shorts back in the oh, day, right? My goodness, <laughs> I wouldn't have survived that era. I can tell you that uh, first. Time. Jake, you've never had those shorts on. Uh, I mean, if you not were- not in public. Not in public, anyways. <laughs> uh, Salvatore, this was a fantastic conversation. I can't uh, thank you enough for your time and congratulations on on, on being a National Lacrosse League Hall of Famer. And really a, a trailblazer for, for goaltenders in the league uh, today, man. Uh, fabulous stuff. Thanks so much. Jake and Brad, thank you very much. And thanks for the work you're doing here to promote, you know, box across, uh, you know, uh, I'm, lots of people I'm sure appreciate it. So thank you. All right, hey, our pleasure. Just to do, do us a favor, get in Paul and Gary's ear and, and tell them uh, to return my text and, and we'll be good. Yeah, we're yeah. looking for them. I'm text Gary. We hang up. All right. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. There we go. There was Sal Lacasio and Brad Chowner, uh 2008 Hall of Fame inductee. And I think what makes it more impressive than anything else for Sal is the fact that, like he, he meant, he stepped into the league in 1990. He had never, ever seen box lacrosse before 1989 and turned himself into a Hall of Famer. No, and it's not like there was a shortage of of Canadians with taking up those jobs back then. Like he he fought guys and and put guys out of work that that probably could have played in the National Lacrosse League from from Ontario and BC back then, right? Yeah. So, you know what a, what a competitor to push and do that, and you know to know it is such a freak anomaly that not many have done it since a professional box and field lacrosse goaltender it's yeah. it, it is few and far between the guys that have been able to make that jump and it really sounds like the competitive juices were really what that's what got him great great conversation there with sal so good to run him down and sounds like he's doing fantastic five kids all playing lacrosse too that's just amazing uh, he sounds like he would fit right in at stampede and tack yes indeed Dumbo. uh yeah i could see it now sal wearing the big 10 gallon cowboy hat Tell me about our friends, boots, Tack, our friends at Stampede Tack. Our friends at Stampede Tack Western Wear. They love hardworking people just like 
Sal Acasio, just like lacrosse people. And that's why they carry a wide range of clothing designed for those who work and play hard and are tough on their gear. With brands such as Carhartt, Wrangler, and Outback Trading, there's always the right clothing to keep up with you on any job or in any conditions. We've had some conditions here in BC recently, man, oh man. Stampede carries plenty of in-stock items, but did you know they can also special order anything you want online, including corporate size orders to help outfit your entire crew on the job site. Stampede and Tack Westernware located in Cloverdale, BC, at the corner of Highway 10 and 180. 1966 and online at stampede.ca we're shopping online is still, still shopping, shopping local. local i love it brad shoner well done and big thanks to sal lacasio let's head to the third quarter here on episode 119 quick sticks are coming up next keep it right here lacrosse flash podcast network Hey, this is Wesley Bird from the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and Boston Cross. Welcome back to Lax Class. Third quarter action is a go on episode 119 of Lax Class. Here in quarter number three, we like to do quick sticks. They are brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped. And uh, Brad, Valentine's Day, obviously a big day for the folks at Manscaped. Over 2 million men are already trusting their products. Make sure you are one of them as well. The perfect package, it comes with it all. Advanced skin safe technology, LED lights, USB chargeable. This stuff is high-end, and you can get your stuff 20% off and get free shipping just by using the promo code LAXCLASS20. When you do that, don't forget, send us a screenshot, lacrosseclassified at Gmail, at PXP for Sports, at Brad Chow, at LAXCLASS. However you do it, we will see it. Just send it to us. Make sure that you use that promo code and let us know that you've used it and get yourself uh, entered into that draw and uh, always important to stay manscaped. I made sure I did that uh, prior to Valentine's Day, Brad. I'm assuming that you did as well. Don't I don't need proof, but just uh, confirm, please. We are on Zoom, so I could uh, <laughs> at least show you the chest and back is is <laughs> high and tight. No, you know what? It, the uh, battery died on me mid-shave the other day. Oh. Lucky, it was just a touch-up for the sideburns and the and the beard and stuff. Mm. But what I noticed, and that was pretty cool, the first time it's died on me mid-shave. But there's it doesn't like. And I had an old clunky electric one. Oh, I'd like it would tear your skin. It would, slow, it would slow down yeah. and yeah, then yeah. rip and get stuck halfway. And this thing just turns off when the battery's not good. It, it, there's no pulling. No one's, no hairs are getting ripped out of your face. Huge. It just sort of ended. I was like, okay, I'll charge this thing for half an hour and, you know, come back later. Luckily, I didn't have to run anywhere. But I thought yeah. that was a pretty cool feature that we haven't talked about yet. Just how intuitive these things are. They've, they've covered everything. Like, well, let's not make this thing slow down, bog down and hurt anybody because yeah, if you're using it somewhere sensitive, you can get hurt if something gets ripped out and pulled out. Let me tell you. Um, but to have it just die is like another safety measure. And I'm like, okay, charge it for half an hour and you're good to go. Yeah. I don't even know if you need to charge it for half an hour. You can always use it while it's plugged in, but uh, I use it. And then the first thing I do is that I just put it back on its stand or I plug it back in. So it's always, I never, I'm never, running out of battery mid shift that is that's like running out of propane mid barbecue that oh. is there anything worse than that like that is no. hor- that's horrific 
right yeah, there. I you just gotta make the call. Do I put these steaks on the frying pan now, oh, or do I oven? Do I... Like, what do you? Do? It's half cooked. And like some, like sometimes you just can't even salvage it. It's over. Yeah, I, I, my my new place in the last year and a half has had gas, and it's like oh the, man, oh, that's, game changer, that's absolute sweet game changer, life right there, pal. That's the yeah. sweet life. Oh, you can you leave that thing on and cook <laughs> off all the meat and keep that nice and clean. Oh, God, you're making me hungry. Living the dream. Making me hungry. All right, let's get into the quick sticks. Uh, pretty light on quick sticks today, which is which is okay. It's been a bit of a slow week. Uh, and we mentioned uh, a couple of trades during the WLA draft. This one took place before the WLA draft. Big team guy, uh, Tyson Geik's roommate, in fact, Colton Clark, back to the bellies after a stint over there in his hometown with Nanaimo, heading back to the bellies here. Yeah, big trade, big trade for both clubs. I was, uh, you know, you think of the Nanaimo Timberman, you've thought Colton Clark over the years, mm-hmm. but I think, and living on the mainland, an easy decision to put him close to home. Good move for both clubs. I think Nanaimo wants to get a lot younger and give the younger guys some some playing time and some touches and let them really be the stars. So good opportunity for the young guys in Nanaimo. And then the bellies are a family, and Colton Clark is a big team guy that's going to fit into a locker room quite well with with Logan Shuss and Mitch Jones and yeah. Jordan McBride, and you know it, it's an it's an older acquisition for a team that has a lot of players that are that are thirty plus. But the bellies are a family, and he'll fit in quite well there. Maybe there is a couple of good years left in in Colton Clark, who's only I think 30, 31. Yeah. Speaking of good years left, and and I like I was kind of on the fence about this, Brad. Like, what 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 do I talk? Because it really kind of irks me that any time that somebody in another professional sport or be a celebrity or what have you mentions the sport of lacrosse, we just ogle and ooze over it like it's the biggest thing in the world. You know what I'm saying here? Like, I, I wish lacrosse didn't have to be so thirsty and it could just stand on its own and be like, yeah, like we're a great sport we don't need like other athletes endorsing our sport to stand on its own legs here i i don't know if i'm explaining this right but the you're talking fa- about chris hogan i am the, the fa- and this is a little bit different because it's an nfl guy coming back to lacrosse to, to try his hand not so much a, a guy that used to play lacrosse that's a professional athlete in another sport going yeah lacrosse is great or whatever so Hogan is actually coming back and putting himself in the NL or the PLL entry draft and former Penn State guy and played at a high level in D1 and, and by all account, I mean, he's a freak athlete, no question about it. I don't know how much lacrosse he's played in the last, but it just, to me, like it, it just overtook the lacrosse media world on the day that he put this out. And I'm like, man, is this like, is this what we're clinging on to right now? Is this the biggest thing that that we got going? Which, I don't know. It just kind of made me... So anyways, Chris Hogan, former New England Patriot, is, is going to try his hand and hope he gets drafted in the PLL. I'm assuming he's been assured that he will be drafted to kind of put himself out there like that. But what do you, what do you, what's your take on it? You tell me. I, I, I kind of feel the same way that you do. Like, I always... It always drove me nuts when someone was like you know take a screenshot of a lacrosse stick that pops up in a tide commercial because right there's grassy stains on a t-shirt yeah. or you know some mom mentions it on on modern yeah. family or something yeah. like that where it's like oh i got lacrosse practice afternoon and people go apeshit oh my god they said lacrosse yeah and it used to reek of 
inferior it's just, complex yeah. to me too. Yeah. The Hogan, the Hogan thing, like I get, and I don't know how much of this is Paul Rabel's PR stunt or how much of it is, is legit. Like I think Rabel tweeted this week, Hey, this goes back a long time. This wasn't an overnight thing. And he, he screenshotted a, a text conversation that he had with Hogan, who was already starting to train in like early January. And maybe this has been a longer, more organic thing. You know, I, what I, what I fear two things, right? If he, if he walks on and gets drafted and then makes a team, how many people are going to step back and go, Oh my God, this guy hasn't touched a stick in yeah, how, how many good years can it be? he just walked into professional lacrosse. So, and I know that he was a D one player and a, and a pretty good D one player too. Yeah. So, you know, what I, what I think the best thing that could happen for the league is draft him, get him to training camp, you know, hopefully doesn't make it doesn't make it right. So yeah. then gets as far as he can possibly get, but then go, you know what? He's not good enough there. We have the best league in the world. Rosters are shrinking after we've combined two leagues. Yeah. And you're telling me that he's going to be better than any midi that played in the NFL. Well, that's why like, I feel like year? there's so many guys out there like that, that could make other, like other teams ahead of him. I like, I don't know. And of course, Rabel's got the relationship with Belichick who coached Hogan in new England and they're good friends. And that's, I'm sure how that relationship, but I mean, like he got a, a tweet out of Adam Schefter, who has like got a massive, massive following on, on Twitter, a huge NFL insider. And you know, he's, he's got traction out of that. He's, he's got people talking. So I guess it served its purpose, but I just, Part of me wishes lacrosse fans weren't so, th- and even leagues weren't so thirsty for these kind of stories. That's all I I'm know, saying. But I think I think Pig, Pit Rabel and the PLL get it. They you do. Know, the whole method man, no doubt. Drew Brees, anybody who ever mentions the word lacrosse gets gets love on PLL, and they've they've made really good strides over the last couple of years. So I I trust they know what they're doing. But again, I think the best thing that can happen: get to a camp, try out. And then get cut and and show where the real where the real lacrosse players that deserve their roster spots can do. And if hey, if he blows those guys out of the water and makes it, then yeah. sure. But I, you know, that, again, I don't think I don't think that's the best look from an outsider's perspective. I think he's got to get cut to show that you know what there's how many middies are going to be over the eight team league. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I agree. Yeah, 60, 65, 70 middies or something that are going to be better. Uh, Burnaby Lakers have a new head coach in one Todd Stockdale, who, of course, is, has been around the WLA for quite some time as a player and as a coach. Uh, stops in Langley, Coquitlam, uh, New West Juniors, I believe. And now the head coach of the Burnaby Senior Lakers is Glenn Clark, uh, just unable to commit now with COVID and the NLL season, the potential that it was going to overlap and all the rest of it. So Burnaby kind of had to make a move there and decide to go in the direction of Stockdale, so congrats to him and Travis Gillespie will be helping out with that organization as well. Speaking of helping out with organizations, our good pal off the crossbar, Ted Jenner, it was just a matter of time, Brad. Uh, this guy wasn't going to be kept out for too long, and uh, an old relationship rekindled as Steve Govett, uh, president of the SEALs, the man who brought Teddy to Denver originally with the Mammoth, has decided to hook up with Teddy once again, bring him down to San Diego. A bit of a change there in the broadcast booth, though, as as Teddy will be kind of doing what I'm doing, stepping into a color analyst role with San Diego as Locker moves into a new position with the Seals, and they'll have a new play-by-play man and a sideline reporter there for the Seals. But good to see Teddy back in the league and, and doing what he does. We need guys like him that – know this game inside and out, doing doing those kind of jobs. 
it's such an awesome market. We obviously knew that that our our guy wouldn't stay a free agent for too long, but to land in San Diego, which is a which is a, a town perfect that, market for him, that needs to be educated, and mm. no one can entertain and educate at the same time like Ted does. So I think that's a, a fantastic spot. And like when he goes from the Loud House to San Diego, like the guy can't find a yeah, bad it's like game a red carpet special. Project, so. Yeah. Congrats, Teddy, if you're listening, and we can't wait to, to hear you and, and to, to help grow the game in, in Southern California and beyond. No doubt. He'll be doing all sorts of stuff with them uh, before the season starts as well. And, Brad, uh, this one a little close to home for, for you, uh, being a Ladner guy, but a guy that I know very well and, and cross paths with many times through all sorts of different lacrosse avenues, and Derek Darren Liptrop. Uh, posting up a story on his, on his Facebook page last week of – just a horrific story, really, of him being sexually molested when he was in high school. And I don't even want to mention the school because it's kind of irrelevant to, to the story. But Darren putting himself out there and, and, and going after some really bad dudes. A class action lawsuit has been launched, and, and Darren's kind of at the forefront of it as far as that goes. And I'm sure there's going to be more people stepping up and, and coming out uh, regarding this story of a of – a, bishop or a brother if you will from a, a catholic uh background that it just did some unspeakable horrible things to to darren and, and i'm sure a bunch of other young men and it's just disgusting and, and brutal but i have to commend darren for for lippy for his bravery his courageousness to to come out to share his story to put himself out there and stop kind of living behind this and, and get that out and, and hopefully start the healing because he, he's been living with this so long that he just feels like until this time that he's kind of come out and said this and brought it, brought it to light that he'll never be fully healed. And I, and I hope this is the beginning for him. And I just, I can't imagine how much courage it took for him to come out and, and tell his story. Yeah. I struggled with thinking about how I wanted to talk about the story and how we're going to cover it for people that, you know, are outside of the lower mainland. They're like, who is Darren Liptrot? He was a, a career senior B lacrosse player here in Ladner and was a guy that I grew up watching play. And this is a lacrosse story, but it's also a story about about bravery and, and speaking up. And, you know, I always talk about being a small dude. I loved small lacrosse players, and Lippy was one of those guys. He was yeah. a small offensive player for the Pioneers, so I always gravitated towards little guys and always rooted for them. Right. And Lippy was one of those guys. And he, it was always so funny that his last name is Liptrot because he was the mouthiest guy on the floor everywhere he went to. And <laughs> Lippy was not just a spin off his last name. Yeah. He was freaking Lippy. And, and I was a Lippy <laughs> lacrosse player. Still too, so I loved, yeah. I loved small Lippy guys. Like you've got to be Lippy. You've got to be like Sean Evans and early Dane Doby, yeah. um, you know, to, to chip be on your shoulder and, right. and have that chip on your shoulder. And, you know, I think what I've sort of come back to thinking about this story the last few days is, you know, it, it, the way that he played lacrosse above his weight, punching above his weight class yeah. um, is kind of what he's doing now, getting this story out there. Like he's kind of living this, living this sort of, you know, this. He's this reliving a nightmare for the better good of it, right? Exactly. Like but now taking on taking on the church, going to court, taking, getting it to the media, blowing this story up. He's doing something huge for the greater good. Yeah. And it was inspiring the way that he played lacrosse on the floor. And it's inspiring what he's doing off the floor now to get this, this story out there and help other people that might've gone through something That's similar. Right. Like so a... yeah, like to me, it's going back to saying 
kudos to Libby because I know his friends are listening to this podcast and who knows if it'll get in his hands as well. But, um, you know, I just want them to know that, that they have our support and he's an absolute warrior and, and a pioneer for, for pun intended for, for getting this story out there and, and fighting the good fight. He's the same guy off the floor as he was on the floor and he's doing, he's doing really great work right now. Yeah. He's battled addiction problems his entire life kind of because of this and and I think he's on the right path now and and not only is this going to help Lippy by by coming out and talking about this but I think it's going to help a lot of other people to kind of come out of the shadows as well and, and and maybe tell their story as well because sometimes that's what it takes right the first one to kind of say it and then people are thinking okay it's like it's okay for me to say it too so um, I can tell you this, like, I don't know how many comments he had on his Facebook post, but every single one of them was in support of his bravery, his courageousness, and just, you know, being there for him. And, and I know that meant a lot to him as well. And, and it's an emotional, emotional thing that, you know, we kind of wrestled with whether we bring this up on this podcast or not. But I think, Brad, that it's, it's that important that people need to hear these stories. It's a cruel world out there in some regards. And, and you know, talking about it and bringing things to light that may be uncomfortable is is something that I consider something that we need to do on this podcast. I, I this feel- is a lacrosse. It's a lacrosse podcast, and he is a lacrosse player that is proving how 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 brave you can be and how strong you can be. Um, you know, that this sport makes you, you know, like who yeah. knows if he gets this story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wild card out there, but who knows if he tells this story and he's the guy he is today without playing lacrosse, which I'm sure was, was medicine for him his entire life to, to get no, rid no. of these memories and to, and to get out there and to lip people off and to score goals and feel good. And, you know, hopefully lacrosse provided solace to him all these years. And it goes back to the story we talked about last week about, um, about about the referee mm, yeah and, Kyle Kennery. And, and, and yeah Kyle Kennery and coming out about you know being pansexual and getting the stories out there there's so many brave stories right now and I think it's pandemic related I think people have had a lot of time yeah to look in the mirror this year and think about how they want to live their lives and a lot of people are telling their stories and putting themselves out there now and it's it's so awesome that these floodgates are open and that these stories are stories are being told to help the next generation yeah, no doubt about it, Lippy. We're both uh, proud of you, and, and we're in your corner, man. And anything you need from us, as far as support goes, you got it uh, right here from, Always. from us too. And lacrosse classified. Uh, let's end quick sticks on that one, and let's get to quarter four. Jimmer is back with something else. We're back on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network right after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dan Marshall, voice of the Nanaimo Timberman. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, blowing the game one podcast at a time. Back on quarter four, big thanks to Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support, focusing on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned down there in Coquitlam, Sean Ashworth and the gang. Always doing great things, labels, packages, environment in mind, and the best in the business. AssociatedLP.com or AssociatedLP for your social media as well. 
and check them out. They got the blog going constantly. They're always updating their website, which is fantastic and why we love them. Uh, something else coming up here before we get to that. Don't forget, if you want to follow along, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to Lax Glass. You can do so. Hit that subscribe button. Send a review as well. That always helps. Brad Challoner is at Brad Chow. I am at PXB for sports. The show is at Lax Class. The email is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. That's all the ways you can reach the show. And lots of people have been doing that lately, and we appreciate it. We also appreciate Jim Else and his segment here in quarter four called Something Else. So let's try something else. Let's begin. Right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Oh, let's try something else. Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. Uh, this week, it's the Valentine's Day edition. It is Valentine's Day as I tape this. I'm making dinner for Mrs. Jim right now as we speak, but let's get to the topic. I am a player first in lacrosse, a fan second, team third, uh, I guess is how you can look at it. I'm always looking for uh, my my players to do well, the guys I like, uh, the guys I have interactions with. Uh, And then I have the opportunity to uh, mix and mingle with fans across North America as well. It's been unreal the people I've met uh, going along uh, this little path that I'm on uh, being a lacrosse fan. Um, every team has someone or some group of vocal uh, social media presence, uh, team, people proud of their teams that love their teams. Uh, and it is Valentine's Day. Let's talk about love. Uh, Grandma Rush in Rushland. Uh, uh, she is an unbelievable ambassador to the sport and to her team. And frankly, she kicks ass. Uh, you go across the country and you've got the Dane gang in, in Buffalo. Uh, you've got uh, a huge group of fans uh, growing in um, up in Halifax. Uh, they're going to have uh, give them a couple of years and you're going to have uh, some really vocal fans and, and fervent fans like other established markets. Uh, I have the pleasure of being a fan of the Victoria Shamrocks first and f- uh, foremost. I have uh, Box 9 at the Q Centre and uh, I'm surrounded by knowledgeable, great fans. Um, it's uh, every Friday night is what I miss is going there and talking lacrosse with people and uh, here hearing Roy Banner uh, yell out uh, from the bu- above me enough to uh, get the other teams uh, riled up. Uh, myself, uh, just giving her. Uh, I really enjoy the fan aspect of the game. Uh, they're a big part of it. And uh, watching lacrosse grow, I just can't wait to see what the fans bring to the league. Anyways, have a great Valentine's Day with your loved ones or yourself or whoever you're with. And take care. Good times. Ciao. Something else, Jim Else and uh, Brad. Uh, Jim, one of the best lacrosse fans in the sport, box lacrosse, no question about it. Uh, one of the most passionate and, and knowledgeable and like just unabashed, right, is, is what Jim Else, and that's part of the reason we have him on our podcast here to kind of speak for the people, if you will. And, and he went out of his way to, to name a bunch of fans across the league that, that stood out to him both you know, in the stands and on social media that get behind their teams. And it got me thinking a little bit as far as super fans and, and what have you goes. And I, like, I remember back to the 
to the stealth days and the guy that used to wear the horse head the entire game and <laughs> like the events. Just there. sweating. Like, yeah, I think about that guy. Crazy P, of course, uh, bang his drum. You got Grandma Rush, uh, who's probably my absolute fave, carrying her, you know, Rush, Grandma Rush's kick-ass uh, sign around the – the stands, but there's so many across the league. Chopper, of course, and uh, you know that's that's really what the National Lacrosse League is all about, as his fans. And and I think the NLL, you know, all all things aside, like they have some of the best fans anywhere in sports. I agree, and you know, just just look at Saskatchewan and Buffalo. Those are the two, and Philly. Those are the two that come to my mind when you think about like actual fanatics and people that. Well, you get the guys in Calgary dressing up in the construction suits and the hard hats and all that. And I love it. And you're making me think maybe maybe a piece for the NLL over the next you know a few months here is almost like a bracket, like a fan Mm. bracket. What team has the best fans? Don't give away content ideas to them, Brad. We need those. (laughs) (laughs) And there might be something there. There Crown crown like the ultimate fan. Yeah. Um, I think that would be that would be pretty sick, and then give them like seasons for life or something like that. Wow! But yeah, they. I feel, I'm feeling wow. seasons we're, for life. We're we're fans as much as we are employees. We are. still. We are first first and foremost, and yeah, I, I feel for everybody that in the tough off season that it's been, but it's going to be so joyful oh. and celebratory when that opening weekend happens, whenever it does. Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm bringing like a like fat Cuban cigars to, to the tune for, for Flaherty and, and Daniela and the rest of the gang there to celebrate. Once we get to back inside Sastel and call our first game, I, I champagne at the sports bar, Rogers arena. There you go. I'll be there. Trust me. Uh, I think that's it, man. I think we're done here on EP one nineteen. Another nice job there, partner. Uh, that's it. You good. I think we're good. I think we're good. We got a couple more Hall of Famers to get to. We've got uh, Gary. And, yeah, well, and, hey, listen. <laughs> we've got John old. Tucker and we've got Chris Fritz. And then yeah. we've, we've literally spoken to the entire league. So we're going to be running short on guests here in about a month. Yeah, we still got to talk uh, Tom Borelli. I'm not sure who to get for, for Tom. Um, maybe Doug Fritz. I'm thinking maybe. That'd be fun to talk to Doug again. And uh, T. Sanderson, I'm thinking probably Jamie Dowick to have on for for Terry. And then Neil Stevens. I'm trying to give Neil as much runway as I can to to get his health back on track. And and hopefully he can come on personally. But uh, I'm sure we'll get Chris. I'm sure we'll get John. Now, Paul and Gary could be a bit of a challenge here. I put putting this out. I've I've reached out to to Gator Gary. That is a, a couple of times. With with no reply. Now the last time we got him on Stealth Classified, it took it took a call to the ledge in, in Kevy Alexander to kind of broach that bridge, if you will, to get carry on. I don't want to call in the heavy here, but uh, we we like we may have to do it to get the twins on. That's all I'm saying. We hey, we got to do we got to do. We have to cross off this entire yeah, list, and like, I will not sleep until we do. So right? if I have to stock if I have to, show, if, I have to if I have to roll into Syracuse. With a microphone, <laughs> and somehow get across the border. Yeah, we're we're gonna do it. There you we're go. We're gonna do it. Okay, so uh, maybe they're listening and, and they realize how important it is. It's it would just suck for those two guys to be the only guys to not uh, make it happen. So keep your fingers crossed on that. And either way, we will be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network to give you another episode. 
of Lax Class. Uh, for now, though, we will get you on your way. Big thanks to Sal Lacasio for coming on the program, to you listening to the program. Everybody, appreciate you immensely. And to our sponsors, Stampede Tack, Warriors, Associated Labels, and Manscaped, of course, we thank them for their continued support. Please support our sponsors. That's how you support this podcast. For Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, we'll talk to you next time here on Lacrosse Classified. Be safe, be healthy, everybody.